chapter 15. Does anyone else need a handout tonight for the message? In case you missed it, we can get those to you. And Louie's supposed to be my second usher tonight, but I think he's watching a football game tonight. And I, heathen, heathen, heathen. And so Romans chapter 15, and uh, I hope for his sake his team loses because of that. But last time I checked, they were winning. Louie's pretty funny. I love to give Louie a hard time about that stuff. And uh, he always gives me a hard time. But lately his teams have done better than all my teams. I don't know what it is, but... And, uh, but Louie, for a couple of years, you didn't even know he was a fan of anything, and then all of a sudden his team starts doing well, and then he starts showing it off again, so. And, uh, you can all, it's not gossip, because I want you to tell Louie I was talking about him tonight. And it's online, so he could be hearing it himself right now. And so Romans chapter 15, we continue on tonight, in verse number 8, the Bible says, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he said, Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord all ye Gentiles and laud him all ye people. And again, Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. To him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Why is it that some Christians, you look at them, and you see them, like, wow, you just see, they got it. They got what you want. You see there's happiness. There's joy. There's less fear in them. Why is it that some Christians, it's that way? And then you look at other Christians, it looks like they're the most miserable Christians on the face of the planet. And life is never good enough. Nothing adds up. What is the difference between the two? I think this passage tonight will give us some inclination on that. You see, as we live our lives, you've got to understand something tonight. Jesus came, and the Bible tells us in John 10.10, tells us, The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life. And Jesus didn't only come so that we could have life, but that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus didn't come just to bring us life. He came to bring us abundant life. The Bible tells us in John 4, verse number 14, with the woman at the well, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You see, with Jesus, you don't just get water where you're going to thirst again. He gives you everlasting water that will last forever, and it springs up. He came to give us abundant life. He came to give us that water. In the Bible, as we think about it, the Bible talks about the blessings He's given to us in Ephesians 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According to this verse, you see, all that we have 
we're already blessed here in heavenly places already. The Bible says that we're already seated in heavenly places in chapter number 2. So tonight as a Christian, you have reason to rejoice. You have reason for hope. You have reason to smile. You have everything you need for life. But why is it that some Christians feel that way and you see it in them, and then others you don't quite see it? I think of the apostles. Man, before Pentecost, they were a miserable bunch. They're pretty scared. Jesus dies on the cross. They hide themselves in an upper room. Peter's going to go back to his old life. And these men that later on were so brave and didn't care and counted themselves, counted joy to be worthy enough to suffer persecution, what changed? The Holy Spirit's what changed. Because the Holy Spirit came into them around Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit did mighty things through these men. Now, I want you to understand something tonight. Once you get saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of you the moment of salvation. When it happens in the book of Acts, it was a moment of first events. Don't get your Bible doctrine or church doctrine from the book of Acts. You're going to get in trouble when you do that. That's what Pentecostals do. They get their church doctrine from the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a great book on church history. We get our doctrine from Paul's epistles. That's where the church doctrine comes from, the letters written to the church. Because the first time something happened, it was done differently than how it would be done after a certain time. But you see the disciples, how did they go from being locked up and scared and fearful in the upper room to where they're rejoicing and going wherever they need to go, praising God, worshiping Him, and not caring for their lives anymore? What changed? It was the Holy Spirit that changed. These men had joy in spite of persecution. And I want you to understand tonight, in the midst of our lives tonight, no matter how hard your life is or how easy you think your life is right now, no matter how big the problems are in your life, no matter what's going on in your life right now, you can experience that joy. Paul could write in a prison cell, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants, he didn't promise us everything to be great in life. He promised to be with us and to guide us through life. But when the trials come, when the hard times come, as believers in the Lord, I want you to understand something tonight. We still have that abundant life. You can still rejoice tonight. And though you might look at your circumstances and say, I can't rejoice in those, you can rejoice in the God of your circumstances tonight. We'll talk more about that in point number two. But point number one tonight, we're going to talk about Jesus, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and their ministries. Number one, we see the Savior's ministry. The Savior's ministry, we read verse number 8 again. It says, Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. It tells us here that Jesus was a minister. That is, he has a work that he does on behalf of others. Didn't we talk about this morning? He didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister. It's where he comes and does something on the behalf of someone else. When we look at this, he spoke about his role, as we talked about this morning, there in Mark chapter number 10. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 20, verse 28, 
even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And as we look at that, and when we think about that tonight, we think about his ministry, the first ministry we see is letter A. We see God's promise to the Jews. When you see it talks about the minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. As we think about Christ's ministry, our Savior's ministry, we see the Bible is very clear that Jesus came into the world to be the Savior of the Jews. It was a promise made. That's why he came. He came unto his own. And the Bible tells us in Romans 1, in verse number 16, do we have that verse? No, but we can turn there. Romans 1, verse number 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Look what it says. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Do you see that right there? Jesus came to fulfill the promises he made to the Jews. You read the Old Testament prophecies. They were about the Son of God coming as promised to the Jews. The only problem was that when Jesus came to the Jews, they didn't want him. The Bible tells us he came unto his own. His own received him not. They didn't receive him. They didn't want him. They, were, they stumbled over that fact. They missed the point that Jesus came. And so they didn't understand his ministry. We don't have a king but Caesar. No, Jews, you've got to realize something. Your Messiah came. He fulfilled all the Old Testament scriptures, and he was there. Jesus' ministry was to fulfill the promises that God made to the Jews. But the Jews refused him. So as a nation, God turned away from them and blinded them. Now, you've got to understand something. He might have blinded them as a whole, but there are still Jews that get saved because salvation is an individual thing. Anyone can get saved that believes on Jesus Christ, Jew or Gentile. But you see, the Jews rejected him. As it talks about in the book of Daniel, they cut off their Messiah. And the Lord said, okay, I'm done for now for now. He's not finished with the Jews. There are those out there, and there are Baptists out there that believe in a replacement theology where the church has replaced the Jews, and the church has not replaced the Jews. We are grafted into their family, but we are not the Jews. They are God's people. Like it or not, they are God's chosen people. God chose to put his son in their midst. He brought him up there. He used the Jews to give us the scriptures. God knows what he's doing overall. And that's why the tribulation has to happen. Because there are seven years where the Jews get saved, 144,000. They go around the world witnessing and sharing the gospel. God's not done with the Jews. But he did set them up on a shelf for a time. But I'm glad that God doesn't save people based on what nation they're out of or what color their skin is, or whatever the case may be. He saves you based on your individuality. And anyone, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. Doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, whatever the case may be. So we see letter A, we see God's promise to the Jews. We also see letter B, God's prophecies to the Gentiles. Look at verse number 9 through verse number 12 there. It says, 
and the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he said, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again Isaiah said, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. In him shall the Gentiles trust. Paul takes from verse 9 through verse number 12, and he quotes four Old Testament passages. He quotes out of the law. He quotes twice out of Psalms and once out of Proverbs in those four verses right there. And as we look at those there, I am so glad that salvation just didn't stop with the Jews. I'm glad that God saves Gentiles as well. And if you're not a Jew tonight, that makes you a Gentile. And you should be very grateful that salvation wasn't just for the Jews, but for Gentiles and what the Lord did. And the Bible tells us that anyone can trust in the Lord and how great and wonderful that is. And what did God use Paul to do? What was Paul a minister to? Who did he minister to? The Gentiles. The Lord cared about the Gentiles. And so some people didn't want him. What did he do? I'll go to others and see if they want me. But we've read in past weeks, hey, Gentiles, don't get thinking too high of yourselves because any moment I could go right back. It's all about God's grace, all about God's mercy and what he's done. And I love the fact that Jews, the Jews couldn't stand the Gentiles. You couldn't go into certain parts of the temple and all these things. There was a wall of partition that separated them and Jesus Christ broke down that wall. And there is no, no difference between a Gentile or Jew, and thank God. That's what Jesus did. He came as a minister of salvation for us. That's point number one this, this evening. Point number two, we see the Spirit's ministry. We look at verse number 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may bound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are a couple words that I see there. I see the word fill and abound. Now, when you look at that and you look at those words right there, those words refer to something overflowing the top. The other day for William's birthday, we went to Knott's Berry Farm. And he, at the end of the night, do you want a funnel cake? What do you want? He wanted a boysenberry shake is what he wanted. And that's a good choice. I love, I love the boysenberry punch at Knott's Berry Farm. I could just drink it all day long. And now I drink the diet one. And after you get past the little bitter taste around the end of it, you can deal with it. And I deal with it. And it's okay. But he wanted that boysenberry shake. And so I go, and wouldn't you know, we were at the front, and the only place that had it was way back in the back corner. I checked five places on my way back there. I got there, and they had one shake already made. It was sitting inside of the uh, fridge right there because they had it made, and they were going to give it to me. The lid was on top of it, and there was that much room still in the cup. Do you know what they did? They just put whipped cream there, and it came right out the top. It made it look like it was overflowing. 
What do you think Starbucks does to all you Starbucks fans? They either fill your cup full of ice and give you just, there's only like just a little coffee. It's mainly, they give you like that much coffee and a bunch of water because their coffee, they burn it anyways to begin with, okay? And I like it. It's okay. I'm starting to like it, but they burn the beans. That's what they do. And that's, it's, it's bitter. But anyways, they just put about that much coffee and then they pour water on the ice and then, you know, you get a frappuccino. It's only two-thirds full and then the whipped cream. And they even start a while back, they put the whipped cream on the bottom, and then they put it on top. They get you both ways. So at the end of the day, yeah, see, I'm pitching stuff. Carla knows what I'm talking about tonight when we get going about frappuccinos and things like that. But when we look at that and we think about that, when you get a drink and you pay all that money, you want it full. And they try to make you think it's full, but it really never is. And I know some of you, you're the ones that go there, no whipped cream. No ice. Yeah. I know. How many of you do that? Let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And say, well, why do you not get the whipped cream? Because you want more of the cup full. Because otherwise, this doesn't get filled up. Man, in the Christian life, the Lord has come and he's given us his spirit so that we can be full and be overflowing with the joy that the Lord gives, the hope that he brings, and the peace that he gives us. That's the ministry that the Spirit brings to our lives. The world tonight doesn't get that. The world misses out. The world can't experience that. The world doesn't have the Spirit of God. That's why I don't understand why Christians live their lives so fearful today, why they live in misery today, why they live as if there's no hope, because you have the Spirit of God living inside of you tonight. And as we look at this, and when we think on this, the Bible tells us a few things that I want you to know tonight. Letter A, we see the author of the abundant life. We see in verse number 13 there, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us here that it is God who is the giver of abundant life. When people get into a rut in the Christian life, they do the same thing over and over. There's no excitement. There's no joy. I'll tell you what the problem is. I wonder how fresh your relationship with God is. I wonder how close you are to him. You say, well, I'm saved, Pastor. I'm close to him. You can be in the same room together. You can be sharing a meal together and still not be super close. You want abundant life. You want the happiness. You want to overflow in your life. It's going to come in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do some Christians get so dull and get so boring in their life and there's no power, there's no life? What's the problem? The problem is not God. The power source is always good. It's never off. It's always there. It does what it's supposed to do. And you got to understand something. You want that abundant life. You got to get to the author of it. The key to the abiding in the key is abiding in him. John 15, how are you going to bear fruit? Joy and peace that are mentioned here are some of the fruits of the Spirit. How are you going to get that? You've got to abide in Him. We see as we talk about this tonight, the Spirit's ministry, we see the author of abundant life and we see that it's God. The Bible says in John 7, 38, He that believeth on me, as the Scriptures hath said, 
Out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. When we think about this and we go a little deeper tonight, we see letter B, we see the results of the abundant life. The abundant life that the Lord wants us to have, what are the results? Well, we see number one, we see joy. Now the God of hope fill you with what? All joy is the first thing mentioned here. When you think of joy, immediately you think of happiness. But joy is more than that. Joy is more than just a silly grin on your face. It's more than just having a good time for a moment. Joy is not dictated by what goes on around us. Joy is something that you have in the midst of the trials and the struggles of life. You've got to understand something. When life is good, it's easy to smile. That's not joy. It's when life throws something terrible at you. And you know in your heart that it's going to be okay. And you have joy that only comes from the Lord. The Bible tells us in Galatians 5.22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Real joy is something only God can give you. No one else can give you that joy, and no one can take it from you. It can't be shaken. That's why, as we looked at, Paul said in um, Philippians 4, verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. If you can only rejoice when life is good, that is not true joy. And you've got to understand something tonight. Paul wasn't saying, and rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You don't have to rejoice in the bad that's going on in your life. But you can rejoice in the Lord. Oh, isn't there a song that we sing about that? Rejoice in the Lord, he makes no mistakes. See, life's going to be hard, and you don't have to have joy. Oh, goody, I get to go through this trial tonight. That's so fake. No one ever feels that way. But as you go through your trial, and you know God is there, and that the Spirit of God will help you through, and He can bring joy in the midst of tears, you'll know everything's okay. That's what we see. Paul was in prison as he penned those words. The Lord, he gives us 1 Peter 1.8, the Bible says, Whom ye have not seen, ye love, and whom, though now ye see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Think about the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah 8, verse number 10. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. What a sermon right there. That's good stuff right there. Eat the fat and drink the Dr. Pepper. That's, in the Hebrew, I'm sure the sweet is Dr. Pepper. I am 99.9% .9 sure that that's Dr. Pepper. Just kidding, I'm kidding. That's, eat the fat and drink the sweet. Sounds good tonight, all right? And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry. Look at this. 
for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You get broken down, you get weak. Remember, Paul sought the Lord three times to take away his infirmities. The Lord said, no, Paul, I'm not going to. That's hard to accept when God says no. But what was Paul's attitude? When I'm weak, that's when you're strong. And you apply this verse here, as Nehemiah said it to the group. Hey, you need strength? You're going to find it in finding your joy from the Lord. If you're waiting for your circumstances to bring you joy, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. You're never going to be happy. Life will never be happy. But the joy of the Lord, it's your strength. Regardless of what's happening in life, do you know that God is in control? We see joy. The second thing that we see in this verse, now the God of hope fill you with all joy. Look at the second one. And peace. The abundant life, the results of, it's characterized by peace. It's interesting. The word peace means to join together. Where worry means to pull apart. That's the difference between peace and worry. The life that is filled with the Lord's best is a life that is not pulled apart by worry, but is held together by peace. I've heard many Christians go through trials, and I've heard them say, there's just this peace that God's given me. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. This world can't bring you peace. This world brings you anxiety. This world brings you fear. This world brings you worry. This world does all these things. You've got to understand something, but God longs to bring peace to your situation. Say, but pastor, my life, it's just a mess. No, you have the Lord. You have the Spirit of God, and He wants to give you joy, and He wants to give you peace. And you've got to understand something, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose verse is not in there just to make you feel good for a second. It is a promise from God. God will work all things together for good. That's what the scripture teaches. Say, well, pastor, this situation is not good. He promised everything would be good. He did not, but he promised it would work together for good. And as we look at these verses, we think about the fact that Jesus promised in John chapter 14 and verse 27, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hey, Christian, tonight you need to quit worrying about everything in life. You need to quit stressing. You need to quit getting so anxious about everything. And let the Lord give you some peace. He will give it to you. One of my favorite verses to go to for when I worry and when I get stressed and when I get anxious say, Pastor, do you ever get anxious and worried? Hardly ever. It's only once or twice a day. So, um, where's my go-to? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. 
I will quote verse 6 because I know it's not up on the screen. Be careful or be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Say, how am I supposed to quit worrying? How am I supposed to quit being so anxious? You don't need to be anxious tonight. You don't need to worry. Take it to God. Take it to Him. Bring your supplication to Him. With thanksgiving, the verse says, tell Him about it. And then let God take over. Most of the time, and anybody I talk to about the stress in their life and anxiety, I tell them the same thing I told myself a million times. You know why we get anxious and why we get fearful and why the anxiety comes up? Because we want to be in control. And there are some things you cannot control. You just can't. If you trust him for salvation, you can trust him to take care of everything else. Take your hands off the steering wheel and let the Lord have his way. And he'll bring you peace. The world can't bring you peace. The world doesn't understand this peace. And the sad thing is most Christians don't understand this peace tonight. But it's available to us through the Holy Spirit. He gives joy. He gives peace. And then the third characteristic is hope. Hope. And hope not based on wishful thinking. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope. What hope? That we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. That looking towards that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, that someday the trump of God shall sound dead in Christ rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up and will be with the Lord forever. That's the hope I'm talking about. Death, where's your sting? But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory. That's the hope I'm talking about. The hope that he's coming again. We have hope tonight. This world, what hope does this world have? Thank God that if you're saved, you serve a God who's in control of all things and there's hope tonight. Lastly tonight, and I, like, I know people like when I say lastly, let her see. The way to abundant life. How do you get abundant life? You already know. You should know. It says it right there, right before our eyes again. All through the book of Romans, we've seen it over and over again. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. What are the next two words? In believing. Faith. Paul says that the abundant life is given through faith. That's what it's given through. And that may be a problem for some because you're like, Pastor, I don't have much faith. I got a blessing for you tonight. The Lord didn't say you had to have a bunch of faith. You don't even have to have a baseball-sized amount of faith. If you just have faith as a tiny grain of mustard seed, you could move a mountain. And you know what that tells me? I honestly believe what the Bible says, that literally if we had that much faith, we could move a mountain. I do believe that. 
it shows me I don't even have that much faith. Because I don't. Otherwise, I'd tell Mount Baldy to get up and move. And I already, as I said it, I'm like, it's not going to happen. And yeah, because I don't have the faith that's going to happen. A tiny grain of mustard seed. As we live this life, and as we go through it, you got to understand something. That many of God's people, you look at how the disciples started out. Peter was a loud mouth. James and John were known as the sons of thunder. Think about that one. They're probably hotheads. That would be why they were known as that. Thomas doubted. Nathaniel was a pessimist. You go down the line. They were all a mess. But when the Holy Spirit came in, he changed all those men. And they lived the abundant life. Now for you and I tonight, if you're saved, the Spirit's already there. He's already in you. You cannot get any more of the Spirit than you already have. He's there. But are you yielded to Him and letting His fruit be displayed in your life tonight? Many Christians are missing out on the benefits and the joy of the Christian life because they're not letting the Lord work and letting the Spirit do His job. If He could do what He did for Peter, James, and John, He can do the same for us tonight. We continue on our series here, just these couple verses tonight. We saw Christ's ministry. It was to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And then we see the Spirit's ministry. We see what He can give us. Joy and peace and hope. Everyone in this world wants joy. You know how many people, how much people spend to amuse themselves? tell you what the word amuse really means, but I'll save that for another time. Amuse. That, so anyway, anyways, I'll leave it there. I'm not going to go deeper. I said I was going to be done, and some of you are getting really excited, and we have a small business meeting in a minute. That's why we're getting done early, so don't think I gave you a few extra minutes tonight. I would preach longer. This world longs for joy. People try to buy things. People try to do all the, and they can never find joy. Because this world can't bring you. They can bring you temporary happiness. But it doesn't last very long. This world doesn't give you hope. This world crushes any hope that we have. But we have a God of hope. That wants to fill you and abundantly fill you. And we have peace. This world can't have that peace. This world doesn't understand that peace. But God has given it to us. That's the result of the abundant life. And the key, Christian, is if you're going to glorify your Father and bear much fruit, you need to be abiding in Him. You need to be spending time with Him. Did you spend time in the Word today? Did you spend time in prayer today? Did you spend time this last week? Did you pray? We talked about this morning. Did you pray just because you needed something, or did you pray because you just needed to talk to God? You want to get the abundant life, you got to realize something that He is all that you need. You don't need all the fluff. 
You don't need all that this world has to offer you. You just need 